Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Fourth Estate, the show where journalists talk journalism. Coming to you from 2SER in Sydney on Gadigal lands of the Eora Nation, right across Australia on the Community Radio Network and directly to your device across the globe via podcast. My name's Olivia Rosenman. Following on from our conversation with the delightful Jen White of WBEZ Chicago last week, this week we are continuing the podcasting theme with two important people in Australia's podcasting industry. Michael Mason is the director of ABC Radio. Thank you for coming in, Michael. No worries at all. Rob Lowenthal is the founder of the podcasting platform Wooshka. Hi, Rob. Hi, how are you? We're going to shift last week's focus from the art and craft of podcasting to the more nitty-gritty. We'll look at the nuts and bolts of podcasting, what's going on with Australian audiences, and, of course, money. So, Michael, if you don't mind, can we spend a few minutes discussing the million-dollar question? Last Friday at OzPod, which was ABC's second annual podcasting conference, you announced a new fund of $1 million for podcasting. Your press release says that the fund will support emerging community-based podcasters and that it will extend the range and diversity of content. So, can we please talk specifics? How much of that $1 million will factor into internal ABC budgets, paying for the production of podcasts in-house, and how much will be distributed outside the ABC to freelancers and other people with good ideas who aren't already part of the ABC family? Sure. I think um, we announced it last week. Got to work through the details of exactly how it all pans out. But we envisage the vast, vast majority of the funds will be spent on new productions and we plan to keep the overheads, the admin of uh, running the fund and being in touch with people as much as possible within the scope of our already established business teams in the audio, ABC Audio Studio. So we might have to expand here and there a little bit, uh, but uh, our, our plan is to spend that money, as much of that money as possible, directly on the content, and I'm fairly comfortable that will be the majority of it. All right, so for example, I have an excellent podcast called The Expressionist, which is about the stories behind everyday idioms and expressions. I happen to think it would be enjoyed by ABC audiences. How would a producer such as me, with a good idea or a good show that already exists, pitch for the fund? That's exactly the sort of partnership that we're looking for. We're looking at partnerships that, yes, we can do with our internal teams at the ABC, from radio, from TV, from news, from our regional teams, from other parts of the ABC as well. And we've had lots of uh, contacts already. There are people uh, that have already got a podcast out there. How we can develop that up and to really build that into something and to shape that is exactly the kind of thing we want to do. We want to work with our emerging podcast community, I guess, and to make their content and their involvement in producing 
rich audio sustainable so that's exactly you know if your idea gets up or not we're going to do that measure that across the slate of stuff particularly what we're looking at abc radio is the gaps that we have in audiences and you know some of those things are being around comedy also what we do for you know uh, young families where we've had audience gaps so we're looking there as well but we're also looking for a whole range of ideas that content we, we don't have, we just launched one on wrestling. So we're absolutely open to those ideas and particularly um, people that are, I guess, out there dabbling at the edges a bit, wanting a bit more direction and leadership or feel their podcast could really grow with some professional development. So we're keen on all ideas and all comers. All right, so let's talk more about diversity. How well do you think that the ABC's podcasting content is serving the breadth of the Australian population and what could it be doing better? It's a good question. If you look at, I guess, what we do as a corporation overall, our desire is to, you know, generally reflect the diversity and the the true contemporary sound, the true contemporary look and feel of, of Australia. And... We've been doing a lot around that with our broadcast content and particularly around presenter hires that we've had and we've had a stronger push to address a gender issue with far more female presenters on our um, networks and we've been really proud of the work we've done there. We've also added uh, greater cultural diversity and brought a far stronger focus with Indigenous presenters on our lineups as well with Christine Anu and Dan Boucher and in and, and in Canberra and our podcasting content as well needs to be able to pick up on the diversity of audience gaps. I mean, while short and curly say doesn't talk to cultural diversity, but it does talk to an audience that we've never really served effectively before as ABC Radio, which is in many cases parents with a couple of young kids. We're not strong in that demographic. Um, and you know, wrestling is another classic one. You know, it's it's a, a passion and a fan, but it's not one that most people probably associate with ABC Radio audiences or ABC Radio content. Uh, and we've done others as well. So we've launched the studios. A big part of that is to ensure that we bring the genuine diverse voices of Australia to the radio and to in through our to, sorry through our podcast and potentially over that that trickles down into our radio content as well. So it's a it's a priority area for us. Um, and if we want to bring new audiences in, then you've got to bring those new voices in as well. And I think it's an issue for the broader media as well. I think you only have to look across radio and TV um, and what we do to say, well, there is an issue here with diversity and isn't podcasting a wonderful way of being allow people to develop up their sound and their confidence around their ultimately their broadcasting skills as well. Rob, let me bring you in here. And first, if I could just ask you to explain what Wooshka is and what you do for our listeners who aren't in the business of podcast production. Sure. Thank you. Uh, We host podcast content for podcasters. So we like to think we make the process easier for a podcaster who wants to get their content into iTunes and uh, it's a piece of software that helps them track their analytics. Uh, we help them insert advertising into their podcasts. And we really provide a whole group of different technology services to podcasters. And on the other hand, we also help podcasters monetize their content. We also produce branded content for a lot of different uh, brands. So we respond to briefs. Some brands want us to produce original content. We produced a, a series for Danone earlier this year, uh, the yogurt company. Uh, it was about infants and raising children the first thousand days of their lives, uh, and that was quite successful. All right, so 
On the one hand, we've got one model here where Michael has a million dollars and someone has a great idea or maybe a great existing show and Michael will give that person some of the million dollars and then that show becomes the ABCs. And then on the other hand, we've got your model, Rob, where they might host that show on Wooshka and Wooshka will help that person to generate income with advertising. So why should they choose that option over a surefire check from Michael? I think the beginners should choose Michael, you know, absolutely up front. We tend to commercialise the top tier of podcasters who host with us, the top 10% of people. It's the it's the 80-20 rule. So 20% of the people who host with us are doing over 80% of the downloads. And they're big established media companies or big personalities with large numbers of downloads each month. And we're commercialising their content at the moment, whereas the other 80% of podcasters are essentially getting a free service with Wooshka. We really want to try and support the whole podcasting ecosystem in Australia and help it grow. And there's the aim that one day one of those podcasters who don't do the same downloads as a, an SBS or a Fox Sports or whoever um, are going to come up through the ranks and, and they're going to have a successful podcast that we help them monetize as well. So really, if you're a new podcaster or if you're not getting significant downloads already, I would encourage you to go and speak to Michael and look for some money in this fund because if you even just look at what the guys at the ABC did with the Outer Sanctum, they were actually hosting their content with us. But by moving over to the ABC and working with the ABC, they they extended their reach significantly. They get a regular paycheck uh, to do what they love and and they've, they've gone on leaps and bounds. And then I'd like to think that one day they'll actually outgrow the ABC and they'll come back to Wooshka. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think the ultimate aim too is it's always been a difficult market, particularly Australia, I think the UK and Europe as an independent storyteller, a crafter of stories, that to be able to do that in an audio space has always been very difficult. It's been pretty hard to make an existence. And I know many people in our industry who five, 10 years ago who had that passion and desire, but because there was a limited amount of roles at ABC Radio and a limited commissioning budget, which has always been uh, small, your ability to make a, you know, a decent living out of being an audio storyteller or crafter of great podcasting didn't really exist. And if we can make our industry more viable, more sustainable for people to build their passion and career as, a, in, as an independent podcaster, then we kind of want to be behind that. And if we can help them then down the track and then move into other areas, monetize it and introduce to the Australian broader media landscape a whole new range of diverse talent that's telling different stories about the true makeup of our community and our society. And then they move into more mainstream media roles that you know, your big channel nines and sevens and so forth and commercial radio. Then I think that's Australian society only benefits from that because there's new voices being heard in what can be a you know very monocultural landscape and I think that's a good thing and if we can get in and help with people develop people's careers that's a fantastic thing and at the same time we can bring genuine joy and engagement and satisfaction by using one of our podcasts and that's a that's a fantastic place to be and so that's that's there our goals there are our ambitions. I want to talk a bit more about this branded content, Rob. There's lots of studies that say podcast advertising is very effective. One study found 56% of Americans said they pay more attention to ads on podcasts. Now, a big part of that, I think, is the intimacy of the medium and the fact that we feel very close to and we trust our podcast hosts. But 
Does that trust translate to branded content, do you think? I think so. I think the important thing when you're producing a piece of branded content is not to build an advertorial. You know, when we built that product for Danone, or we've, we've done different podcasts for the City of Sydney, when we build that content, it's not all about shouting at the listeners, telling them to go and buy something. It's always about really, generally, this is brought to you by that brand, and they're bringing you this piece of content that's going to enrich your lives. So typically, with the podcast we did for Danone, which was the first thousand days of a child's life, that was really about that brand building a piece of content that they could share with their basically all their social media audience worldwide, a million or so Facebook followers, and give back to some of the mothers who were using their products. And there were, you know, in, in sort of a six or so episodes, there were hardly any mentions of any of their products whatsoever. But people who listened to it knew that it was brought to you by Danone, and they saw that as kind of a way of engaging with their existing customers and having a deeper relationship with those customers. And if you think about the medium, people... You know, they sit back, uh, they plug this stuff into their ears, there's little or no advertising content in it, and they're engaged for a full episode, and it's so much deeper and more intimate, like you say, than possibly a traditional commercial radio half an hour. If you think about commercial radio, in you've got an hour's worth of content, 14 minutes of ads, 14 minutes of news traffic and weather, you've got all sorts of constant interruptions and different topics uh, being thrown up left, right and centre, and callers calling in. Whereas if you want a podcast and you're really interested in that topic, you can engage and go really deep. And we always talk about theatre of the imagination and close your eyes and think about it for half an hour. And if you're a brand building a unique piece of content, that's just such a valuable environment to, to, be, to be giving something back to your consumer or your listener or your community. So it's extremely effective and, and the companies we've worked with really, really happy. One thing brands are very concerned about, though, is numbers uh, when it comes to both branded content and traditional advertising. And everyone is talking about this new update to analytics that Apple is soon to release for podcasts. And the fear is that it's going to reveal that people are simply skipping past advertisements. And as well as that, that these analytics will show how many people actually listen to the podcast rather than just simply download it, which might happen automatically if they're subscribed. So I ask you both, how big do you think that the shake-up's going to be as a result of this? I'm really excited. I, I, I'm quite interested to see how it all goes. I yeah. think that sometimes the best way to illustrate is to use a really simple example. Say you're a podcaster and you get, or you think you get a thousand downloads every month. You, you, you're not going to get more downloads as a result of these new analytics. If anything, your numbers will come in a bit and you'll think, well, there are a number of people who actually didn't consume that content after all, or certain people skipped past uh, 20%, they dropped off. And, and your, your numbers can only come in and potentially decrease, but you might discover that you've got a really engaged audience who are sticking around for a long time, and that's valuable for an advertiser. There's an array of different outcomes here. You've got, you may very well have people who are getting a thousand downloads, but really people just come in for 10, 15% of the episode, and that's going to be an issue for them. However, remembering that a lot of the advertising in this medium happens as pre-rolls. So if you're getting a download, and if people are sticking around for the first 30 or so seconds of a podcast, I don't think that the advertising will be all that impacted. And if you think about, I always compare podcasting with radio, obviously ones, they're both audio, maybe I should be comparing them with digital video, but if you think about radio and how it's actually tracked and consumed, um, how do you know someone heard a radio ad in a busy shop where the radio is playing in the background? That counts as a listen, but did they actually hear the ad? So we talk about that 
in radio and there's not very much of a there's hardly any magnifying glass put on the way they track their data and i'm not i'm not saying that that's the way it's always been and that's the way it's worked and there's a really big robust radio advertising industry but at the same time if we discover that some people are skipping ads i don't think it's that dramatic as people are making out i think um if anything people will be surprised that their numbers probably won't be as high as they currently think they are but I don't think that the advertisers are going to start running away. If anything, they're all coming into the medium because it's working so well. So if you tell an advertiser, uh, I only got 900 downloads and it wasn't 1,000 downloads and people listened for half the episode, but they're still getting the same outcome that they were previously getting, they're still going to keep spending with you. They just say, well, it works out that um, I need to be paying a higher cost per 1,000 downloads. So I'm just really curious about the announcement and the analytics. I'm not too scared by it. I think that there'll be some podcasters who, who get a little bit of a shock and they'll have to they'll have to work on parts of their episodes to keep people more engaged. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Rob. I think also too it's been masked about this whole oh what really are the numbers, how many people are really listening, how long are they really listening for? Well now we'll know with a lot more yeah. you know, transparency about what those numbers are and I think people can then make decisions about that. And I think Rob's right, with radio it is very, I mean people tick a box in a written diary with a pencil and which gets collected a week later. So it's it, those numbers can be a little bit rubbery, you know. So this would be real listening, real real time feedback. And I think, I think it will be sobering for many of us uh, with the numbers. And I think once people get over that shock of that, well, the challenge will be, well, how do I make them listen longer? You know, it's the challenge of radio program makers making them stay for that extra 15 minutes, extra 30 minutes. And I think, I think that's Rob's point as well. So there's a real energy there. Once you get over the sort of dent to your ego, if the numbers are down, because we don't really know that, we haven't seen that, we're just making the assumptions because all the other independent research does point to that, then really the, the challenge will be how to keep people listening longer mm. and how to make that podcast content compelling. Or if they're only listening for 20 minutes and the podcast is 35 minutes, well, does that tell us that maybe we're just making them a bit too long compared to when people have time to listen? So I think it'll only help with the legitimacy of the industry as a place to um, place advertising if that's, if that's the part of the industry that you're in. And will also help program makers make better informed decisions about what works and what doesn't. So I think it's good. Yeah. The more data we have, the better. And I think that will help draw people to it. Rob, do you think people should pay for podcasts? Is the advertising funded model going to end for podcasts just as badly as it did for print? I think that there's this market where we can have a number of different models. People always talk about podcasting and they say they compare us to digital video or they compare us to print or they compare us to radio. And, you know, I just made that mistake. I compared us to audio. But podcasting, don't forget, is the slowest evolving medium in technology that you can ever imagine. You know, it's been around since 2004. Uh, social media wasn't even around when, when podcasting launched in 2004. So we don't have to go the same way as any other piece of media. And I think that Podcasting is a medium right now where there's over 400,000 podcasts in the world. And what we're going to find with, with the analytics is that you might get some people who realize they're not successful as they thought they were, and you might just get a, a greater input or, or greater sort of rising quality, but you might get a culling of some of the bad content potentially. I'm not so sure about whether or not we'll suffer the same fate as print when it comes to the business model. 
I like to think that the big podcasters who host with us, they actually want to make money out of this stuff. And the question is, will their listeners pay for that content? Um, you see it happening sometimes in America. You've got uh, different pieces of content up behind the paywall. But I just think that there's this world where it, it works both ways. You know, I think that if you can convince your audience personally to pay you for the content, it's much more lucrative than putting ads into your show for two reasons. One is you get ad-free content and you, you don't have to worry about the sales process and you, you are probably going to get a much bigger check every month. But unfortunately, because there's so much choice and when I listen to, I'm probably not the best use case, but I listen to 25 hours of content a week, 30 different episodes. I don't want to be paying for all that different content. So that's why I think that there'll just always be a market for both. And the premium content, the stuff that's maybe really expensive to produce, it might move behind paywalls. But we've seen it happen in America. There's certain networks that do it. Earwolf, I think they're called, and a few others. And they don't seem to be sort of shooting the lights out just yet. I opened my Pocket Cast app earlier today. And for those who don't know, Pocket Cast is an Australian podcasting app. It's a very good one. And it also has a discovery tab that shows the most popular podcasts that people are listening to, which appears to be a bit more chart-like than the iTunes chart, which, as we all know, is not a chart. But of the top 10 trending podcasts in Pocket Cuts, not one of them was Australian. In fact, not even one of the top 20 was Australian. Why do you think that is and how long do you think it's going to take for that to change? It's a really good question and one that we're determined to see change. And I think depending on what week you open or what day you open that, uh, the Pocket Cast app, you know, it, it can change. But I think... You know, what we've got to do is just really work harder at getting stronger content out there and, and building up those numbers. And you know, us and the, you know, not just the ABC, but other producers as well of podcasts in Australia. And I think that's achievable, but, you know, I think we're catching up in a lot of ways with that. But I do think that chart, it does fluctuate depending to when you have released material and so forth. So I think you've got to take a long-term view of that. And the bottom line is, I just think, as you would have seen at the OzPod conference, you would have seen at the AudioCraft conference as well. In many ways, while we've had the expertise for a long time and we have been strong podcasters and podcast pioneers, our ability to do genuine podcasting and do it in a way with the right resources at the right time, with the proper tiles and the proper production and the proper sound is relatively recent. And so I think that will turn around and I think it should be, and I think for Australia, for us to represent, you know, the Australian community and the Australian culture, then we need to get more of our content, our podcasts in there, and I think that's achievable. Recently released research that was commissioned by the ABC showed that 58% of Australians have listened to a podcast, but that only 29% have listened in the past month. So it seems like half of these people aren't coming back for more once they try, maybe for the first time. Rob, why do you think that is? I don't know that I agree with that assumption that they're not coming back. It might be that they're actually coming back every two or three months and that 29% is changing because I think that what we've seen over the last few years is that 29% is growing. So last year's data, I think the ABC showed it was 18 or 19%. Uh, so it was much lower. So that's growing to 29%. And you get people that will sample a medium and it just takes them a while to come back. But I don't necessarily think that they're quitting the medium once they, they trial it. So 
And we, we talked about this in, in the conference on Friday. We sort of said, what's the next big thing that's going to get that number up to radio listening levels? How do we get 90% of the population consuming a podcast? I, you know, I'm not a futurologist. I don't have the answer to that question. But we all seem to think that Google's going to have something to do with that. We like to talk about this renaissance in podcasting that seemed to happen around about 2014. And some people attribute the, the success of the medium today to one podcast, which was Serial. But of course, there's there's no way it was just Serial. In fact, it was because Apple put this little purple app on every iPhone that was non-deletable for a long time, and now it's just pre-installed. And when that device for podcasting is on every single iOS phone around the world, you're going to get a big jump in podcasting. And I think that we may very well see the same kind of, well, or an even much greater explosion if, if Google and uh, Android and, and Samsung and whoever else decide to support this ecosystem and really make a, a podcast application uh, pre-installed on their devices. So I think that maybe we'll get some more significant growth. 80% of the world use Android. So when, when, when podcasting apps are pre-installed on Android devices, we're going to see another jump. And I think it's really the technology that drives it and it's the content that keeps people there. So if there was no content in the podcasting space, you wouldn't have 29% now. You would have had a big jump in 2014. People would have tried it and they would have, they would have got out of there because you know, back in the early days, podcasting was two kids in their bedroom talking about their favourite car. You know, and then there's still a lot of it is, you know, the 400,000 or so podcasts out there. I'm sure there's still a lot of hobbyists out there just talking about things and they're happy if half a dozen mates listen to their podcast. And that's the beauty of the medium. It really is for everyone. It's not, it's not just a medium where you need a big radio transmitter to succeed and you need millions of people who listen. You can get by, not, not get by in the commercial sense, but in an, as a hobbyist or get, get plenty of enjoyment out of uh, producing a show for 50 listeners every week. Michael, at your conference last week, Nicholas Kwa, who is a podcast guru who writes a weekly newsletter called Hot Pod, he said that within the next one to two years, the concept of a podcast as an extension of the technical definition of what it is will mean nothing. Podcasts won't be podcasts. It'll just all be audio and audio will be everything that is not linear broadcast. Do you agree with that? I do. I do. I think podcast... It's become a, nearly a, a generic term, though, for people identifying with time-shifted audio or audio on demand, uh, audio at their on their time, breaking free of the of the the shackles of the of the broadcast schedule. It allows people to do that, and it just it feels right. It feels like a, a name. It feels like a brand. People, you know, when people do get it, they quickly relate to it. So I do think so. I think Nick's right, but the challenge is, and you know, as Rob said, is a podcast as simple and as seamless as turning on the radio or turning on the TV. So so everyone, when they get their phone, doesn't have to do any tricks, any issues. It's just, and that's what we're, you know, it's just there. The podcast is there. They can listen easily. They can listen offline. They can save all their favorites. Uh, that's the spot you've got to be able to get to and they, the discoverability of what you want. And then when you've got that, and it's as simple and as seamless as turning on a radio or turning on a television, then it's going to be the stronger the take-up will be because it's the convenience of it, really, and um, it allows everyone to explore yeah, their area of interest and passions a, a lot more easily. Now, people, how they do that, if they do it traditional way, I guess, by their phone, by going through a podcast app or just listening through their computer or however they do it, it doesn't matter as long as they're doing it. And our job is to make it as easy and as seamless as possible. But I do think there's a, a cachet with the, a cache with the word podcast 
and podcasting mm. that people kind of relate to. Yeah. Once those problems of the seamless switching on are solved, and I asked Jen White, who is also in public broadcasting, this question last week, but do you think that linear broadcast will continue to exist? Oh, I think it's uh, I think it's the radio pub question, isn't it? Every Friday night is, it comes up and it depends on how you want to look at your, your, your glass. But I absolutely think that you know, podcasting is a strong future for it and media on demand is a, a, a key part of our audio future. And I think it's helped really kickstart parts of what we do all over again. But I also think that simplicity of switching on a radio, of plugging into that, that conversation, the companionship of radio will go on for many, many years. It's just how they both coexist. And I think the business models around linear radio are still very strong and the numbers are still very strong and point to that, particularly when it comes to the reach figures and reaching parts of the country. But it, clearly you've got to be able to serve people in both spaces. You've got to have that dual tracks approach, I guess. And um, I, I think you'll see normal radio going on for, linear radio going for a very, very long time. Uh, but over time, you will also see some rationalisation of that as more and more people find it easier to pick up their built content on their, on their digital device. Rob, you also had a substantial career in linear radio. Anything to add? You know, it's, it's quite easy to say that Everyone loves to say, oh, yeah, podcasting is going to come up and disrupt radio so much that we're going to sort of radio won't be any longer. But, you know, when there's a siege in Martin Place, you don't go to a podcast to find out about it. You go to the radio, like news and current affairs are so important on radio. You wake up in the morning and you see the press release that's come from the Prime Minister's office and there's a whole bunch of different people with different political views at different radio stations talking about the issues of the day. You just can't really get that on podcast in such a timely fashion. It's why I think that all traditional media still has this really solid lifespan. The problem is people have got to actually just, in traditional media, embrace the fact that they produce amazing content. It really doesn't matter what way it's transmitted. You know, if it goes out over a transmission tower and it, it's spread out across the, the country, that's one way. Sometimes people will consume it via the internet. Um, it'll be a Google Home or an Alexa Echo uh, and all those different ways. And the smart traditional broadcasters will understand that they're just great at producing live, amazing content and that the distribution method doesn't matter. Um, that's how traditional media survives and thrives, in my view. Um, but then you've got all these other people who actually don't always want that live content. And, you know, there's the people who like knitting and they want to say, they want to get into their smart car and say, give me my knitting podcast. I want to hear it now. I've got a 30-minute drive and they're going to get that. I hope they're not knitting while they're driving. They shouldn't be. It's dangerous. Yeah, we're, we're working on a, a concept. Driverless car. Oh, of course. <laughs> you know, that's, that's when radio might go the way because TV will be competing with TV in the cars. That's one thing that has kept me awake at night. But um, I think personalised audio is something that might disrupt the radio world a little bit. I think that we're doing a lot of work on it now with some of the newspaper companies about producing a personal podcast for, for everyone who subscribes to that newspaper so that they're getting um, effectively two or three stories read to them as part of a podcast, combined with some traffic and some weather. Uh, and that's, that's what they're going to get every day at 7.30. And it's read to them using ro robotic text-to-voice speech synthesization technology. And that is something that you might get in your car and say, play me my daily podcast, and you will get the top three stories from your favourite paper. It'll tell you you've got a 30-minute drive, avoid the Pacific Highway or whatever it is, and it'll give you some weather. That has the potential to compete with radio 
that'll happen quite soon, but I still don't think it'll happen in the mass numbers to really make a big dent. I think that we can live, we can all live together. All right, we are almost out of time, but I will ask you both one final question. What is your favourite podcast that you're listening to right now? Oh, God, it's like, what job do you love the most? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I, look I, I'm a big fan of a whole range of podcasts like we all are. Um, but I've got to say, um, after being away for a part of it, I'm really enjoying listening um, to Beverly Wang's It's Not a Race on ABC Radio. Uh, but... Um, Ladies, we need to talk. It's been fantastic. I've only got into one episode so far. I do have the privilege to be able to go a bit further into the can, but they've been fantastic. And look, I've been a long time fan of overseas podcasts as well. I'm the biggest fan of 99% Invisible. That's one of my big overseas ones. From an international point of view, I have a podcast called eHustle. WNYC do it. They, they took a microphone into this uh, San Quentin jail, and they there's a couple of life. Uh, inmates in there and they talk about all sorts of things and it's you know, real fly on the wall stuff it, it's gruesome it's really heavy stuff um, that's kind of a one-off series that I'm into at the moment uh, and then otherwise I, I really like um, Michelle Laurie does a fantastic podcast mm. Australian True Crime I, I enjoy that I listen to it every week and and I kind of like trying to find different brain food out there. I like a bit of Tim Ferriss and uh, there's, a whole, there's a really good podcast I love called Farnham Street which is a um, I don't have enough time to explain it, but it's kind of, I feel like I'm smarter at the end of the week when I listen to it. I think that for me, podcasting, I really got into it years ago because I just felt I, I wanted to be smarter at the end of the week. And I wanted to try and soak up something that I wasn't learning and I wanted to try and get a broader kind of view of the world. And I think that's why podcasting is wonderful because you can consume some of this stuff and definitely get smarter. And that can't always be said about you know, commercial radio. All right, guys. Well, I asked you to pick one podcast and you've both come up with at least four. So let's just take that as a reflection of how wonderful the podcasting scene actually is. Now, unfortunately, that is all we have time for this week. Thank you so much to my guests, Michael Mason and Rob Lowenthal. We'd love it if you dropped us a line on Facebook or on Twitter. Our handle is Fourth Estate AU. And if you like the show, why don't you tell a friend or better still, tell all your friends and post it on Facebook. I'm Olivia Rosenman. Thanks for joining me. See you next week on Fourth Estate.